Private Lender Podcast, Episode 35. The Private Lender Podcast quote of the day comes to us from Thomas Jefferson, who said, No generation has a right to contract debts greater than can be paid off during the course of its own existence. This is the Private Lender Podcast, the show that shares practical advice and know-how for new and seasoned lenders, from private mortgages on single-family houses to joint ventures on commercial projects and beyond. Discover details about investment vehicles that you won't find at your local bank or online broker. Listen and learn from private lenders and real estate investors, as well as from professionals and entrepreneurs, as they share the details, strategies, and the insight that allows for successful and prosperous lending. Now, get ready to increase your ROI. Here's your host, Keith Baker. What's going on, Lender Nation? And welcome to the Private Lender Podcast, the only show dedicated to teaching private lenders how to mitigate risk and increase their yields. My name is Keith Baker, and you're listening to episode number 35. And this today, my friends, is a very special episode for me because I had the good honor and fortune of interviewing the guru's guru, Mr. Ron Legrand. And I don't know, I, um, I'm usually not one that's too struck by celebrity, so to speak, but Ron's a, a well-known in the real estate education and investing community, and as you'll hear on the show during the interview, uh, I'm, I'm a bit nervous, to be quite honest with you, and uh, I really don't know why, other than just I felt completely ill-prepared for the interview, even though I had notes and questions and everything else written down. But it uh, it was a lot of fun, and it's something that I'm I'm proud to say that I've uh, I was able to do and to share with with you, Lender Nation. But before we get into that interview, let's go ahead and thank our sponsor. Seven One Three RIA invites you to come out and experience one of the fastest growing RIA groups in the Greater Houston area. The goal of Seven One Three RIA is to provide quality information to every level of investor. The organizers Landon Rothstein and Ray Sasser have found that no matter where you are in the investing process, those investors who effectively network are far more successful than those who don't. And 713 RIA is geared to help you both get the information you need and provide the networking that will propel your investing. For more information, please visit 713RIA.com. That's 713REIA.com. And as always, I'd like to thank Landon and Ray for their continued sponsorship of the Private Lender Podcast. I highly recommend anyone, if you're in the Houston area, go check out a 713 RIA meeting. They're more than worth your time. So now back to the heart of the matter, which is the interview with Ron Legrand. And if you're not familiar with Ron Legrand, then please go to the show notes page because Ron has a, a great bio that he wrote himself. And it, it's, it's very telling. It's just pure Ron. I don't know Ron very well, but I've met him a few times and it's just I hear his voice every time I. I read that bio, so that'll give you a pretty good background into who he is. Uh, he is the guru's guru, so to speak. And so let's go ahead and just cut right into the interview with Ron Legrand. Lender Nation, I am more than honored to have Ron Legrand on the Private Lender Podcast today. The man himself, the legend, Ron, welcome and thank you for being here. My pleasure, sir. So, Ron, if you could... For the two people who are into real estate investing and don't know who you are, could you give us a, just a quick background, a little bio on your story, how you got into real estate investing? Well, that was almost 37 years ago now, Keith, when I was a dead broke mechanic trying to make a living 
fixing cars all day and running the service station at the same time and and frankly didn't know what I wanted to be when I grew up, but I knew it wasn't that. So <laughs> I got I got a chance to go to this seminar that said learn how to buy real estate without any money. And of course I didn't believe it, but I went and sure enough, three weeks later I get my first check for three thousand dollars. So that was the beginning for me and difference between me and most people I guess is I just kept on doing it while most people just go back to work. And of course I started doing it uh, on a full-time basis. I didn't have anything to fall back on. I didn't really have a, didn't want to go get another job. And, you know, my wife wasn't working and I didn't have uh, a big savings account or anything like that. So I, I guess it was greed and hunger that uh, really kept me going. And so I started uh, using the little bit of knowledge that I got out of that first seminar and putting it to work. Next thing you know, a couple of years have gone by and I had over a million dollars worth of equity in real estate. But over 200 tenants and then quickly learned that uh, equity real estate uh, is not how you get rich. It's how you get old and cranky and tired and, and lose all your dark hair, which is what I did. So uh, over the years, I started looking at real estate as a way to make money and not just uh, get rich someday if you live long enough and started building systems to buy and sell single family houses and without using your money or credit. And we still do the exact same thing today all over North America. And I have hundreds of thousands of students uh, using the systems that we built over the years to get in and get out or get in and stay in and and, uh, on, and you know, on both sides of the business. There's a pretty house side and there's an ugly house side. And most people come into the ugly house business, which is wholesaling or rehabbing, and that's where they stay. And today I spend more time teaching the pretty house business, which is most of the business and where the real money is, in my opinion, and the fastest and the easiest money. So. Uh, I don't know how deep you want me to get on all of that, but that's a little bit about my background. No, I, I think it hits uh, on, on a few things very well. I mean, it gives you know good background, and I like the fact that you, know, you bring up you started with one strategy, and and over the years have adapted with the changing times, economies, mm -hmm. and, you know, and, yep. and whatnot. And you're in more of the pretty house business, and yeah, a lot of people get started, like myself included, you know, in in the ratty house and you know, earn our bones, learn, learn the yep. systems there and, and move on up. And I, I just, I'd be remiss if I didn't mention that if, if uh, to, to the, to the listeners, if they have a mentor or a nationwide mentor or teacher or coach, the odds are that they were your student at some point in time, at least probably nine, nine times out of 10, the, uh, the guys who are out there today were, were your student at one point in time. And well, they're either my student or the student of my student or the student of the student of <laughs> that was a student of my student. Uh, you know, they, they they expand rapidly over the years. But yeah, that's true because frankly, I've I've actually trained about seventy five percent of the trainers that are out there today, and still do to this day, for that matter. And and so, that's yeah, and you, not only just in real estate, but you also you you coach RIAs, real estate investment associations on. In, in, as well as how to do real estate, but how to how to create in the uh, when I was with the I rich, yeah when I was with mm -hmm. the rich club we you know that was part of the program that we uh, when I was on the board we would send uh, one or two people at least maybe three a year or not a year but uh, what is it a quarterly mm -hmm. or whatever it was to your training yeah. it was uh, yeah. always um, eye opening when they came back to the next board meeting and and you know went over the things so that's uh, we probably ought to tell our listeners what you're talking about for those who don't know. And, oh, please. Um, there's a local real estate association in most cities, especially those of any size. 
Some of them are nonprofit, like uh, Rich. Some of them are for profit. But it's really just a group of investors that get together and meet one or more times a month to uh, all reach a common goal, and that's to make more money and retire rich. So if you get a chance to join a REIA near you, we call them REIA, Real Estate Investors Association. You might want to look into that because all, very, very, very little money, very small uh, annual dues, but such a value to anybody coming into the business. I know uh, we have one in Jacksonville when I started 1982, and I don't know if I'd have made it without that group to support me. Because the dream stealers were after me, Keith, telling me how you can't do it and how I wasn't worthy and it won't work for me and it won't work now, just like they are today. Uh, countries full of those. Absolutely. So, 3,000 houses later, I learned not to believe them. So, well, so yeah, that, thank goodness you're stubborn, you know? Uh, yes. <laughs> you proved them. That I am. You proved them wrong. And and the whole RIA, I, you know, the idea behind a RIA and getting the help and whatnot is key to me as, as a private lender. That's where I go meet the people who mm-hmm. are borrow money from me. And I, 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 I say it until I'm blue in the face when people say, how do I become, where do I find these people? Go to the RIAs, you know, just go, go, go to Meetup, do a Google search. You know, there's this wonderful thing called Google out there that'll tell you almost anything you need to know. And just go, start shaking hands, you know, even if you're an introvert like I was. I, I, I sat in the back of a room for three years and didn't do a darn thing. And so mm-hmm. one day I got well, you're tired. Not, of, you're not abnormal. No, yeah, it's, it's, it's quite common. Yeah, especially since you're a male. You know, the last thing a male is going to do is follow instructions. Why would I do that? <laughs> I don't know. It, it, it's working perfectly, so therefore it must be fixed. That, right, Keith? That's, that's it. That's my motto. <laughs> Testosterone is not your fault. You're born with it. Yeah. So, and, yeah, and, I get it. Me too, man. You don't know yeah. how many years I've done this stupid stuff and, and outsmarted myself. And God, I mean, dollars it cost me to actually figure out that I wasn't all that bright. And <laughs> I mean, I, I, I can't even imagine how much money I lost doing the things that I today wouldn't even think about doing and, and chastise others for doing. Back when, when today, Keith, I spend more time teaching people how to systemize and automate as much as teaching them how to do real estate because we've built a system over the years where all the work's done for you. Uh, to this very day, I still buy two or three houses a month, uh, literally in a comatose state by osmosis. <laughs> I don't do anything. I don't deserve the checks I get. I, I, I got to tell you that. I don't do much. I just make decisions. And that's what I try to teach my, teach my folks. If you can get your business, regardless of what product or service you're selling to the point to where you can just make decisions, get your life back. You get a chance to think and grow and do things you've never been able to do before because you've been swapping hours for dollars all your life. So it's about making money, but it's also about having a life while you make the money and and, and being able to enjoy the money. Absolutely. And I, I will I will second that uh, in, the, in that I am a member of Pat Live with the Ron LeGrand special rate. So mm-hmm. you'll be and, and, and that, talk about automating and having somebody answer the phone. It, it really just frees up a tremendous amount oh, of, yeah. of time having the VAs do it for you. We don't take inbound calls today from sellers or buyers. And we make very few outbound calls because we've got a whole floor of virtual assistants that will do all that for us and do all that grunt work and spend all that time and all that labor for such a small amount of money. And when, so when you start letting other people do all that stuff so you can do nothing but decide who you want to do business with, getting in and getting out, there's nothing for you to do all day. So this, this business is not about investing the time. In fact, Keith, I tell people frequently, if you can't do this business in five to 10 hours a week, you're just wasting all the rest of the time anyway and looking for something to do. 
And, you know, I'll confess for some people, that's a problem. <laughs> we spend all of our lives swapping hours for dollars and get a condition to the fact that we must, we must swap hours for dollars to be productive and, and to be worth anything. When actually the reality is true. Uh, show me a super wealthy person that is forced to come to work every day because there aren't any because they got super wealthy by getting out of their own way and let other people, uh, some much of most of the time smarter than we are. Uh, do the stuff that they can do so we can do what we do and that's make decisions. That is so true. Unfortunately, I was in my 40s before I realized that being productive is different than being busy. And it's easy to be busy. Very, very easy. Anything. Hey, I'm busy. I'm, you know, I'm productive. I'm doing something. No, you know, I'm doing the same thing over and over again, you know, And, and look, and there are some things analyzing deals, you know, even if I always tell people, yeah, when they, when they get into whether it be investing or, 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 or lending, mm-hmm. start, get on every wholesaler's list you can find. You're not going to find a deal. They're all going to, the, the numbers are all going to be skewed and you can't trust them, but at least you get into the repetition of analyzing and getting, and having well, that become second nature. That's the only place where I would say being busy is good yeah. because you, you need that be able to analyze a deal in seconds, exactly. not minutes, not hours. And frankly, if you can't, it's a training problem. It's not an analysis problem. You just haven't been trained how to analyze deals, both pretty and ugly. Yeah, exactly. So, in the uh, in your you know thirty seven years, you've you've I'm curious as to how you were introduced into private lending. Were you using bank money initially? Or well, I can that? answer that question. Okay. When I first got into the business, oh, my credit sucked, and there's no way a bank would go near me. And besides, show me a bank that's going to loan you money on an ugly vacant house. Because there aren't any, so yeah. uh, I had a problem. Where to, where was I going to get the money? Because again, I started out wholesaling, but I quickly gravitated to retailing, of course, which requires the cash to buy and fix and hold the property. So I was fortunate. Way back then, I found a mortgage broker. His name was Al, and get this: Al would lend me money at sixty percent of the after repaired value, ten points, eighteen percent interest, and six months interest prepayment penalty. But but my credit was irrelevant. They didn't even have my application, never pulled my credit report. I just knew the money was there, found the deal, and got it cheap enough to where the, the math would make sense at 60% LTV. And that's a that's a pretty steep price to pay, isn't it? Uh, yes, Probably sir. more than you charge, huh, Keith? Uh, well, it, it was uh, until now, until you just told me that. Then I think I'm going to have to change my rate. <laughs> That was that was 1982, Keith, when the prime rate was 18. percent Just keep that in mind. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> by, I was about to say. by the way, Al's still in business and he lends money at the same rate today. So okay. anyway, I I thought it was an atrocious amount to pay, so I only borrowed 76 loans from Al <laughs> before I woke <laughs> up one day and realized, golly, all he's doing is calling his friends and asking them to send money to a closing attorney, and and they get 18 percent interest and six months prepayment penalty, and I got to pay him 10 points for making a phone call. Uh, why don't I just start asking people myself? So that's what I did. And I swear, within 90 days, I had way more money than I could ever possibly use for my own use. So that's when I went and got a mortgage broker license and started lending it to other people. And over a course of 15 years, literally made over 3,000 private money, hard money loans to investors in my area. At, uh, but I never did have the heart to charge 10 points. So I only charged five and a 15% interest and three months interest prepayment penalty. And I never changed, not from beginning to the time I stopped it. I never changed the uh, the uh, amount because it didn't take me long to figure out it's not the cost of the money that it counts, it's the availability of it. Yes. Because you see, every time I borrowed money from Al, I, I made money. 
And without borrowing money from Ally, I wouldn't have made that money. So uh, I, I learned very quick. Forget what the cost is. And that is so true. It's, it's the availability. I, unfortunately, I would say for every loan that I do actually make, I probably have to turn down eight people because of the availability of the funds. Mm-hmm. If, if it's, well, it, I don't have a problem of, of having you know, money sitting in an account, fortunately for me. I can put it to work very quickly. It's just mm-hmm. if, if, if the criteria are going to fit. And you know, it's, it's got to be frustrating for, for some folks. But I, I like the fact that you, you, you got into, you figured this out, you know, 76 loans with Al. And then you said, hey, I can do this. And yeah. I, I'd say it's more hard money rates. Um, but nonetheless, it, oh, definitely. It, would it be definitely. today's today's rates? I'd say it's hard money, but compared to Al, that's definitely a, that's an uncle loan yeah, or a dad but, loan right there. <laughs> well, that's true, but it's still cheaper than a partner getting fifty percent, isn't it? Right, it's, it, it absolutely yeah. is, and that's it's just the cost of doing business. That's when people you know, they, a lot of times they'll come to private lenders to save on points and interest. And I don't yeah. have a problem, you know. I I I have a gamut of I, you know, every deal's different. I look at everything individually, so I've taken eight percent for two years because I didn't want to have to tie, to work the money. You know, mm-hmm. I've also taken 13% for six months with some points. Well, on top. Sure. You know, it's, it's your money. It, it, exactly. You're, that's, that's you're in beauty. control. That's you're the beauty. We, and Charge what you want. Yeah. Yeah. I could, if Ron LeGrand came to me and said, I need to borrow money, I can say no. I probably wouldn't, but I can. I have that ability to say no. Well, uh, and charge what you want. But remember, anybody who's all that concerned about what you're charging is probably paying too much for the house and not making enough money or they wouldn't care. See, exactly. If, if a few hundred or a thousand bucks is going to kill a deal, it's not a deal. Yeah, especially when you're talking about rehabbing a house and it takes three or four months to get in and get out. What's the difference between 8% 13% anyway? Who cares? It's irrelevant. Pretty much, All yeah. money. Yeah. You know, <laughs> spend a little less on the house. Well, actually, don't do that because I, I advocate making sure those houses are gorgeous and ready to sell. In fact, as part of my training, I take people in the houses and show them what to repair and, and what it costs and so forth. So anyway, that's another subject for another podcast, which I'm happy to do if you want. Well, actually that's a good, um, when the, you know, a lot of questions that I get are, you know, how do I look at a scope of work and know, you know if, if this particular borrower well, is going to, is going to be able to do this. And I, I always tell them, cause if there's a question, then don't do the deal. Number one, number two, don't go yep. for if if someone hasn't done five or ten deals, don't don't be their lender. Tell them to go get hard money. They'll have, well, another, they'll have another set of I, eyes. I, I tell you the truth. If um, I were your position and still lending money uh, as a broker and so forth, uh, I'd have a lot of tighter controls. For example, I never lent any money to anyone without holding the money in escrow to do the repairs, make sure they got done. And then, of course, like you just said, I looked at the scope of work or the bid from the contractor and made sure it made sense and also looked heavily for what they left out because they were new and they didn't know to look. You know, there's a, there's a checklist that you use if you want to renovate houses and you better darn sure use them. In fact, there's checklists that you use for everything or you're going to wind up paying the price. And very easy to leave stuff out. And then when the, the, uh, process, uh, the repair get underway, then the contractor comes to you and always does these add-ons. And frankly, the hardest part about learning to rehab houses is handling the contractor and handling the bid and know what the stuff should cost. And most people learn that after a few seminars in the school of hard knocks. Some people yep. actually get out of the business because they didn't learn it before they took the big hit. So uh, fortunately, incidentally, I have a three-day event on rehabbing Ron's way, but I'm not sure that's not what we came on here to talk about today. 
Well, well we can, we'll get to that later. I definitely want to, to put your, your website out there. We'll have a link on the private lender webcat uh, website to, uh, to promote your, your, your education and your, your events. And, and I will go ahead and tell you, yeah, if you, if you're within a hundred to 200 miles of the event, go, go attend, um, drive it. Get oh, up early people fly from all over the country. In fact, yeah. here's something that's kind of weird, Keith. I do four day boot camps called Quick Turn Real Estate School. These are my main basic training events. We do one a month. And everywhere we go, not more than 10% of the room lives in the city where I'm conducting the event. Ain't <laughs> that weird? Yeah. They fly from all over the country. Well, that, that, that's, that's, that's the, the power of, of the Ron LeGrand brand, the education. And whether you're, you want to flip, you want to be a, a landlord or, you know, even a private lender, I, you know, I tell people you have two ears and one mouth. So listen, yeah. <laughs> close the mouth yeah. and, and listen because you're going to learn a lot. I hear, I hear, I hear you and I agree with you. But, uh, Actually, the word flip is a totally misunderused, uh, underestimated or under, under, misunderstood word as well. Because, yes, we flip, but I'll tell you in today's world, I'm, uh, I'd rather not actually sell the house. I put, when I buy them, we put lease option tenant buyers in them and give them plenty of time to buy. And the truth is, most of them don't. And sometimes we put the tenant buyers in there as is in what we call the work for equity program. They do the work with their money and their labor in exchange for a little bit of equity. And then sometimes if I rehab them, now if I rehab them, my only exit strategy is to cash out. And I list them with realtors, Keith. So um, I only rehab a few houses a year now because I'm so heavily involved in the pretty house business. And when I do, I won't touch one for less than a $50,000 net profit. And that's on the lower end houses where I live in Jacksonville, Florida. Uh, same where you at uh, in, in uh in Texas. In fact, I just did an event in Texas and your numbers are almost identical to ours uh, in Houston. So um, uh, I don't mind doing the rehabs, but I do them when I do them. I don't really as much for me to do because I list them with a realtor and from that point on, it's up to them to sell them. And I am thrilled to pay the 6% to take, they take on all the responsibilities after it's been rehabbed. So um, I still do rehabs to this day, but um, frankly, if you understood the terms of business, you'll see that there's a whole lot more easier money in it with uh, a little or a little no risk. And that's another point that I should make here today. And, and on Planet Ryan, there's three ways to lose. First way is you can write a big check. If you write, don't write a big check, can't lose a big check. It ain't rocket science. I don't mind writing the big checks as long as I know for sure there's going to be a larger check coming shortly after I write it means I need to probably get a little bit of training before I go writing checks. Second way to lose is guaranteed debt. I'm not teaching my folks not to do that because that, uh, frankly, there's three things you risk when you do that. You risk your credit, you risk your assets, and you risk your marriage just to buy a house. Well, we can buy all the houses we want without guaranteeing debt. And thirdly, we don't make promises we can't keep. Therefore, we don't have to remember who we promises we made and who we lied to last. And fourthly, uh, we close with attorneys. We close with an attorneys and let them do their job so we can do our job, and that's focus on making the deals. And attorneys protect us going in, going out, and making sure the right documentation is done and that we're complying with the rules wherever we live. So if you uh, if you uh, follow the, that step, if you if you do what um, all of my students are doing, you stay out of harm's way, and and by staying out of harm's way, you can operate freely and not have to worry about loss and lay awake at night worrying, you know, who's going to come after you or what's going to happen if they do. So it's all how you operate. And trust me, I didn't learn this the easy way. It took a lot of years to figure out how to operate without the risk. 
But, you know, most people are under the impression that you got to go down to the bank, borrow money, put up a down payment and guarantee a note to buy a house. Nothing could be further from the truth, as you well know. So, you know, you you brought up something interesting. I'm going to go ahead and run down this rabbit hole, if you don't mind. You close at attorney's offices or you use attorneys to close. Mm -hmm. Does that also include title companies or just the attorney's office? Well, obviously, I closed hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of deals with title companies. Uh, but over time, I learned the title companies don't represent you. Title companies uh, are, are representing their underwriter. And if you ever have a problem um, after the after the uh, purchase or the sale, uh, look, I don't mind closing with the title companies if it's an all-cash deal, getting in or getting out. Mm-hmm. But if there's any ongoing relationship with the seller or the buyer, I insist on closing with an attorney. Then that attorney will be there if there's ever any problem after the fact. Plus, you have the proper documentation done, especially if it comes from me, because I have all the documents to protect uh, my clients. And you'll stay out of court, and and everything is disclosed. And, and you'll make sure that uh, you don't have to worry about whether you got the right documents in place. So, uh, and half the time, uh, the buyer is paying for the attorney's fee. So half the time, it's free. But here's the big one: uh, many states, well, like Florida, where I'm at. A title company cannot close the transaction unless they buy, unless you buy title insurance. Well, if I'm paying cash and getting a private loan from you, then I've always got to have title insurance. But in the pretty house business, I don't use title. We don't buy title insurance. It's a waste of money because we're either taking over debt or creating debt back to the seller or buying with a lease purchase. And there's no need for title insurance because there's no risk. Uh, so we get a title search. Um, but it's cheaper to actually to let the attorney close it than it is to have a title company close it and charge for a title policy. So over the years, I've learned, let's get an attorney in our life, a closing attorney, and let them do what they do best and, and get out of their way. Uh, that, that makes sense. The way I operate, you know, normally uh, when, I, when I loan, it's, it's going to be to a, a retail, rehab flip retail. Sometimes mm-hmm. it's, it's just an acquisition to get the, the house or the property in case of commercial bankable you know, to, to get, go sure. get a commercial loan on it, you know, for six to 12 months or whatever. And I've always insisted that I use my attorney for the documents. I don't use the, the, the title companies oh, sure. or, or, or the borrowers. Yeah. You, you want my money, you got to use my attorney and you got to pay his fee. Mm-hmm. And in this, in the case where it's a simple sale, like you said, cash or whatever, yeah, pay, you're going to pay the title insurance. It's, it's one of the, to me, it's a pillar of private lending. You want to protect your investment as a lender. Oh, certainly. You get mm-hmm. the title insurance. However, I totally see where you're coming from. If you're doing some type of lease option or if you're staying in the game after the, the initial transaction, that totally makes sense to me that, yeah, I would much rather have the attorney who's there with the documents and the closing to handle any discrepancies mm-hmm. or anything that comes up because, I mean, this is America. You know, I'm going to sue That's a right. ham sandwich next week and I'm going to win. So You are correct. You yep, know, yep. Lawsuit, lawsuits are the new business opportunity of America. Yeah. And so that, that, that makes, I'm, I'm, I'm glad we went down that rabbit hole uh, for that. I, I know that's yeah. lease options. We don't loan, you know, I don't do private loans or you don't get private money on, on lease options stuff. And like you said, you don't use your money. You don't use your credit. You're, you're taking over these houses subject to probably the existing mortgage, which already has a title insurance policy attached to it. But even if it don't, we do a title search and make sure we don't have title problems. So if I'm buying right. a property and I'm putting nothing down, which we generally do, what are we insuring? <laughs> exactly. <Nothing>. Just, <laughs> so, yeah. The most you can lose is what you invested. Nothing. Yeah. yeah. So we don't buy it. Time. Yeah. You're, you're in Texas, right? Yes, sir. Okay. Well, we, 
probably need to make the point to your listeners that we're not going to do sandwich leases in Texas. No. Because we did mention that word lease option. Yes. So we fact, can definitely buy with owner financing all day long and we can take over debt subject to all day long. Yes, we can still do that. Mm-hmm. But we, yeah, no, I understand sandwich lease options are a no-no in Texas. And I don't know about other states. Uh, how does it How does it run? I know you, you keep t- uh, teach and coach all over. So kind of how is there it? There is no other state that I'm aware of that has any problem with sandwich lease options. <laughs> Truth is, however, leasing it with an option to buy is my last resort anyway. I'm going to buy it whenever I want. I can, which is almost always. I want to own it. I want to take title to it. I want to be in total control of it. And I want to be able to depreciate it. Can't depreciate it when I'm buying it with a lease option. No. And anybody who lease option now is to you. Almost all of them will sell it to you with owner financing if you just give them the chance. So you know, it's just part of our training. That's part of the script. Part of the part of the front end language where you determine whether they want terms and then what kind of terms. Just a few questions you ask them. You know, I might point out we don't make sellers offers. We ask them questions. They make us offers. That's when I last time I saw you speak at the seven one three RIA. That was the most impressive thing of your pre- presentation was the the questions dictate what you t- you say to the to the mm-hmm. seller. That Just was ask the seller the questions, let them give you the answers, and they make you the offers, and you either accept them, deny them, or counter them. That is uh, that is a great system. I'm going to go ahead and get put the link out there. It's going to be privatelenderpodcast.com slash Ron and. The listener, you go, you can click on all the links. Ron's going to have some freebies there for you as well. And uh, Let me tell you what, I'm, what I've got there for you right now. Yeah, go ahead. Because it's just hot, hot off the press. I just sat down and read my whole book. So now, now it's an audio book. So when you go to that link, you can get my whole book, and then you can just download it as an audio. Uh, it's called How to Be a Quick, uh, Quick Turn Entrepreneur in Any Economy. And that's a good book. It's actually a whole seminar within a book. So uh, there's probably some other stuff on there as well. So go grab the book and then you can see what Ron LeGrand's all about. Absolutely. And I, I highly recommend anyone listening, whether you want to be a, a real estate investor or even a lender, there is so much to learn from uh, your experience. And earlier you said you're old. I, I, I disagree. I think you're seasoned. I don't think you're old. You're just, <laughs> you got a lot of experience. So, um, well, I'm curious, is there, if, since you've been through, you know, around the block a few times and you've done the investing, you've been a landlord, you flipped lease options and so on and so forth. Private lending. If someone, if you, if someone came to you today and said, you know, Ron, I really want to get into this. I got a full-time job that I love, or I can't leave. I don't have time to go mess with contractors. What, what bit of advice would you give them if they, they told you they, they would want to get into private lending? Get into it as a lender or as a broker? As a lender, as a lender. Yeah. Okay. Well, I don't think that has anything to do with leaving your job. That has to do with whether you want to get a higher rate of return on your money than you're getting in a bank account, which isn't hard at a half a percent. So, uh, frankly, I uh, encourage people to become private lenders all over the place every time we do seminars, which is pretty frequently, because it's great use of your money. It's great use of your IRA as well. You know, whatever rate you want to charge, there's way more than you're going to get. From most anything else you can do with it, especially as passive as it is, because all you do is make the decision to say yes. Let's say somebody's putting their money with you to lend out. You're the one that's going to do all the work. They're just taking your word that, you, that, that it's a good loan because you've done the due diligence on it. That's a pretty safe way to get money out. And um, I don't know whether your lenders get any part of your points or not. I know mine never did. Um, I got the points, but they got the interest and they got the prepayment penalty. So, um uh, Pretty pretty safe, easy way. You know, kind of beats a stock market because when the 
stock market boys are jumping out of the windows up there on Wall Street and splatting all over the sidewalks, you're still going to get the same rate of return secured by that piece of real estate that isn't going anywhere at a low loan-to-value ratio. So private lending is a great way. Uh, you know, maybe not the only way to make money, but it's certainly one of the safest uh, ways to make money, especially if you're not actively involved. I couldn't agree with you more. You know, I I tell people all the time, like, can you lose money? Yes, you can lose money as a private lender if you if you say yes to the wrong deal and you don't do your own due diligence. But the beauty about the beauty the beautiful thing about private lending is it's secured by an asset, a tangible piece of property, mm-hmm. right? Maybe it's just dirt mm-hmm. and it's recorded at the county county courthouse. And to make this story even longer, Ron, did I ever tell you that my wife worked for a company named Enron? A few years ago. <laughs> oh, how'd that turn out? Yeah, yes. Well, fortunately for her, she she left long before the crooked E got really crooked. But there was she did have some shares come to find out, and I just laughed because they're absolutely worthless. And yet, mm-hmm. even though when I've gotten into early on, I made some loans I shouldn't have. I got lucky. You know, they were successful. But even as things turn bad, I'm not going to lose 100 percent of my money. I'm going to have no. a value. And if you do your due diligence right, if you, if you put your criteria together in the right way, it's hard to lose money, as you were saying. I mean, you can still, if you can make mistakes and you're, you know, you, if you put your trust in the wrong investor, things can happen. Um, but by and large, you know, the only negative thing I, I, would, I can say, I see someone saying about private lending is that it's not FDIC insured. But let's think about that for a second. The people who get, get us into all of our problems are going to be the ones that get us out. Sure. I I say, look, let's take control. Let's create the new economy and let's use banks only for direct deposits and W-2s and and, and pulsing money out because there's no reason. I'd much rather have that collateral than I would that FDI insurance. Right. Exactly. uh, To me, it's a no-brainer, but that's trying to get the word out. That house is not going anywhere, regardless of what happens, whether we have another recession or not, it's still going to be there. And there's always a, a place people need a place to live, no matter whether they own it or rent it. And frankly, if bad times come again, and of course they will sooner or later. Yep. And people still need a place to live. If you notice in the last recession, prices went down, but the rents didn't. Yep. So uh, I don't know a much place, safer place to put money. Uh, I would say except in a bank account, but who says that's safe? Yeah, uh, it I know that property ain't going anywhere. Yeah. Exactly. It's, it's, you know, they, they say there's only two things certain in life. It's death and taxes. And there's, there's two things that I learned from my grandmother that are so simple. You think it's dumb, but it's very true. Number one, everyone's got to live somewhere. And number two, they ain't making any more land. That's right. So That's right. invest in real estate. Well, Ron, I want to thank you for coming on and uh, sharing uh, some, some of your knowledge and your wisdom with us today. And I'd like to get everyone over to privatelenderpodcast.com slash Ron, R-O-N, for some goodies and more information about uh, this legend. And uh, again, it, it, you honored me today by coming on, and I'm glad I could share it with Lender Nation. So thank My you. My pleasure. And there you have it, Lender Nation, the interview with Ron Legrand. I want to thank Ron for coming on and taking the time to uh, share some knowledge and some wisdom with us. I know it meant a lot to me, and I hope to bring more heavy hitters to you, more interviews, more information, and more exposure to not only the world of private lending, but real estate investing, but uh, other vehicles, other investments as time goes on. So this is we're still in the infancy here with the Private Lender Podcast. 
I mean, I feel like this is still a, a big experiment and I'm just taking things in like a sponge and seeing, trying to see what works, what doesn't work, what, what, what you respond to, uh, what you want to hear. And in fact, why don't we go ahead and do this right now? If you have a question, any question, email it to me. But I'm going to ask you a question if you can hear this. What's holding you back from getting started, either in investing or private lending or getting a side hustle? Uh, I'm to make it a little bit broad. So what's holding you back from investing? What's holding you back from being a lender or going and doing a side hustle or just making some extra money? Please email those answers to me at info at privatelenderpodcast.com. And Lender Nation, I do want to thank you for your time, for sharing it with me today, and allowing me into your ears for at least a few minutes. And I I really do appreciate all the feedback I'm getting, so please keep it coming. And with that, I'm going to sign off and wish you happy and prosperous investing and lending. I'll see you on the next episode. Thanks so much for listening to this episode of Private Lender Podcast with your host, Keith Baker. For more great content and to stay up to date, visit privatelenderpodcast.com. If you enjoyed today's episode, please rate and review, and we'll catch you next time.